The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up today using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgamepodcast.com slash dog to enter our bonus contest. Five winners will receive hats, shirts, and a $50 SGPN gift card. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports enriched platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Out the Hall of Fame Bets advertising show at bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Saturday morning, March 2nd, roughly right after midnight. I am your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode, a bit of a shorter one, though, only three matches to talk about, because we do have the final in Dubai between Bublik and between Umber. And then, of course, we have the two semifinal matches in Santiago, where we end up having Mutet against Vilo. So we got a home country guy from Chile who's still in the running for a title, and he's going to be going up uh, against the winner. Or I should say the winner of that match will go up the winner against the winner of Baez and Martinez. Either way, though, we do not currently have lines on that to be low match, so we are going to have to get creative with it, but unfortunately, I couldn't keep waiting, and I had to get the show on the road. Doing one last quick check to see if I do have lines on that match. I do not. So either way, point is we'll have lines on two of them. We'll cover three, and then we'll get into the lock and dog picks at the end of the show. However, we are going to spend a decent amount of time actually recapping what happened yesterday because there was a bunch of storylines to get into for the Friday slate. So starting off with some reminders, don't forget to like, subscribe on YouTube, and also don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple if you are still consuming your podcast that way. Also a reminder, we have merch in the SGPN merch store. Uh, for the Tennis Gambling Podcast, if you want to support the show, you can buy a, sh- a shirt or a mug on the SGPN website on the merch store. Now, as for the lock and dog picks from yesterday's episode, very, very good. Ended up sweeping uh, for the lock. We took a prop. We had no tiebreakers in the Umber and Medvedev match at minus 130. I believe that line closed at minus 155, and it ended up getting there not easy as the first set ended up landing 7-5. So we needed a break in the final game possible. And Umber delivered, and then Umber went up a break into the, I'd say, middle stages of the second set as he held on at the end to win the second set 6-3. So overall, nice winner there for the lock. For the dog, nice winner. Brutal uh, push for some, but I know most books graded out as a winner. You had the Bublik and Rublev match. We had the over two and a half sets at plus 150. Some books grade out the over as a winner as soon as one point is played in the third set. Other books actually need the set to be completed. If that's the case and your book uses the latter as house rules, that's a brutal beat for you because you ended up getting your money back on a refund and a bet you won. Uh, basically, the house rule screwed you. But either way, uh, most books ended up paying, so we ended up getting a nice winner. Now, to get into the actual recap for the Friday matches, I'm going to briefly go through the results. Then I'll get into the storylines, and then I'll move into uh, the actual preview for the matches taking place on Saturday. So starting off with the uh, matches in Dubai, you had a pretty interesting opener because Bublik got the job done against Rublev. Once again, I am going to get back into that match in a second. Uh, You saw Umber beat Medvedev in straight sets, so you have a pretty interesting final that nobody anticipated based on those two semifinal matchups. Then for Santiago, you ended up having Baez beating Munar in straight sets. Martinez upset Fees in three. I thought Martinez was live. I didn't think he'd actually win it, but I thought he would be able to cover, and he did. Uh, Tabilo ended up beating Dardari in straight sets. I did not get that one right. A bagel was not in the forecast for the first set, as Tabilo got the job done pretty easily. And then you ended up seeing Mutet pull off the upset. 
against Jari, which I definitely did not have happening, but I am happy about being wrong because you might remember we have Mutet at 40 to 1 to win the event. So we have a 40 to 1 long shot who's in the semis. Two more matches for glory. Hopefully Mutet can get it done. As for Acapulco, you had Dimenauer beating Draper courtesy of retirement in the third set. And as this episode is recording, Rude just broke Rune at 4-4 in the third set, and he is now going to try to serve it out. I'll try to keep some updates on that uh, matchup, but the point is Rude is one game away from advancing to his second straight hardcourt final. Now, as for the storylines, we've got to go back to Dubai first. Actually, no, I'll do that last because that involves a massive uh, discussion. Uh, we're going to start off in Acapulco because Draper, who was in great form, had been rolling, destroyed Kikmanovich in the round prior, got injured again. And I feel like it's kind of a broken record, but we got to at least talk about it. Draper ended up uh, getting injured in the middle of the third set. He was down 4 nothing, and he ended up quitting. Now, Draper is a very, very talented player. We saw him make a final in Adelaide earlier this year before losing a heartbreaker to Laheshka. The point is, Draper, at some point, you got to at least change something with your overall game and your overall practice, uh, or at least I should say your regimen. You got to improve in this area. I know that it's a bit of, I'd say, misfortune for him. But at some point, if you keep getting injured all the time, you're going to have to change something. Djokovic, when he was younger in his career, had issues with his overall fitness. And he seemed to retire a lot when he was younger. Then he kind of changed around his diet. And that was the secret. I believe he found out he was was allergic to gluten. And that was how he was able to kind of uh, reinvent his entire uh, I'd say persona and his entire reputation of being a quitter and a poor stamina guy. I'm not saying that's the main secret for Draper's uh, potential improvement in this area, but he's got to change something. He gets injured all the time. It's why I don't take him to win tournaments. And he got injured again in an event he was playing very well in, which sucks, but I have to mention it. Draper gets injured all the time, and unfortunately, it came back to bite him again in the semis after playing really well for the first couple rounds. As for Santiago... I got to mention the upset once again, as Mutet was able to beat the home country favorite defending champion, Jari, in straight sets. And he proceeded to taunt the crowd after the match was over. South America, I know that there's been talks about trying to get more events, ATP events, in South America. I'm going to tell you right now, the crowds are very passionate there, for better or for worse. And you can make an argument it was for worse on Friday because they were booing Mutet the entire match. Now, Mutet didn't do himself any favors. We know Mutet is kind of a volatile personality on tour, and it's not exactly going to win you many fans when you do a drop, when you do an underarm serve for an ace. On the first point of the match, uh, that's how the match started, so Mutet ended up going underarm, and it got an ace. So the crowd already started booing him. Mutet was very, very loud with his... I'd say fist pumps whenever he ended up getting a break, and that seemed to really annoy the crowd. A lot of it was going to be just beating the home country guy anyway. Everyone in the venue was rooting for Jari, and every time Mutet won a point, the crowd was either silent or was basically booing. And Mutet, at the end of the match, ended up going to center court and did the Djokovic hands-out celebration, thanking all the fans. It was really funny. I really enjoyed it. But some people might be a little bit mad at him for doing it or a little bit salty. I don't care. Mutet has had a really rough couple of years. And the fact that he's in an ATP semi, uh, good for him that he was able to make the run. Good for us because we have him to win the event at 40-1. to 1. But the point is Mutet was tired of the crowd booing him the entire time. And he decided, you know what? 
Let's have some fun with it. And he ended up teasing the crowd and kind of egging them on. Mutet does not mind to be a villain. We've seen it before. But the point is, I did find it pretty amusing. I'm going to give it a slide. If you make me laugh, I'm going to tend to let it slide. And Mutet doing that at center court made me laugh. So I'm fine with it either way. Yes, I know your main goal should be to not get the fans to hate you. They hated him anyway. And guess what? He's facing off against another Chilean on Saturday in Tabilo. So the crowd is going to be rooting against him anyway. And now the atmosphere will be even more so against him. But Mutet was using the energy of the crowd against his opponent, and it worked out. So we'll see what happens. He's kind of embraced his villain role, and maybe he can propel that to a potential surprising qualifier to ATP title uh, journey. As for the main topic of conversation, this is where we're going to spend some time. Uh, it's going to be on that Bublik and Rublev match, where I did not mention the actual score of that match. Uh, by the way, Rude ended up winning. He held on to beat Rune uh, in the semis of Acapulco. Bublik won 6-7. 7-6-6-5. That is right, 6-5. He's one of the only players everyone has set 6-5 because you ended up seeing Rublev get really annoyed at the line judge at the end of that 11th game, and he proceeded to have a temper tantrum directed towards the line, uh, line judge, and the line judge ended up getting Rublev defaulted from the match. So as a result, Rublev had to forfeit the match he had to forfeit all the prize money for the week. He had to forfeit all of the ATP points he was going to get for the week. And as a result, he is now officially eliminated from the ATP top five. So a lot of different levels to this. And I got to get into the overall, uh, I'd say, just recap of the actual, I'd say, ordeal and get into my thoughts on the chaos that ensued after it. Rublev, we know, has been a very very emotional player when he plays. And it's kind of a night and day personality difference between him off the court and on the court. He's very lovable. He's got a great personality and he's pretty funny off the court. On the court, you can argue he can be a little bit of a tyrant and he has a bit of an anger management issue. Now, usually it's directed towards his camp, which a lot of players do. You can yell at your camp and they're not going to do anything about it. So the point is, Rublev usually has a lot of temper issues on court, and it kind of boiled over because he was directing it towards an employee of the actual event. Now, there is some dispute on what was actually said because Rublev, according to the initial report, was speaking Russian and cursing at the line judge in Russian. The problem was the line judge was Russian, so the line judge allegedly knew what he was saying, and that was what was relayed to the chair umpire. Then Rublev countered it, by, by basically saying, I wasn't speaking Russian. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I was speaking English. So there was a whole separate argument there. Then you have to find out if he was actually cursing in English or not. There were some videos that were recorded from the fans behind, uh, uh, behind the actual line judge who were at the event. It seemed like he was cursing in English, or at least he was yelling at him in English. According to some reports, Rublev called him an effing moron. I did not hear that soundbite in the video that I watched. But the point is, Rublev basically got to eye level of the line judge and proceeded to yell at him for maybe five to ten seconds. I remember watching it on TV, and they showed Rublev immediately after losing the game. It was the 11th game, so there was a changeover in store. And they showed him basically running over to yell at the line judge. And the match went to commercial. And I thought to myself, well, this might get interesting. 
And then next thing you know, we have to forfeit the match. So Rublev had to forfeit. Do I agree with the decision? It sucks for the fans because they were one game away from a breaker, a match with three breakers, a semifinal of a very, very entertaining match. And then they basically got a ripped from them as you ended up seeing Rublev having to forfeit. Now, I'd say this. A lot of people were defending Rublev. You had even Bublik, who was in the post-match presser, basically saying the only way to get rid of this is to get rid of line judges. He was promoting the electronic line calling because that way you remove extra people, employees of the tournament, and this would not happen if either A, the electronic line call didn't blow the call uh, by the baseline that Rublev was complaining about, or B, you have no person for Rublev to actually yell at. Now, Rublev did have some challenges. He could have challenged it if the call was out. I mean, if the uh, ball was out and they just didn't make the call. I guess he thought it was too close to not make a calling on it. Then he lost the point and immediately lost his mind. But the point is a lot of people were defending Rublev. Bublik at the time wanted to keep playing because he recognized that it's a lot better to win matches when you actually beat your opponent as opposed to getting the match handed to you on a platter. Uh, but the point is, Bublik, his opponent, was in favor of Rublev or supporting him. Manorino came out of nowhere, and Manorino tweeted out, uh, he actually called the exact words, he called the line judge a snitch. That's how that went. Manorino out of nowhere uh, from the top row ended up showing up on Twitter and basically cursing out the line judge and defending Rublev. Now, I'll put it this way. It sucks for the fans. I understand the default. Now, you can make the argument once again, maybe it was exaggerated what was said to the line judge. At the end of the day, you can't have your players just running up to either officials or to line judges and just screaming at them with no repercussions whatsoever. In the NBA, you get a technical foul. You get ejected potentially if you do so. Baseball, you get ejected. We see this in other sports. Soccer, you get a yellow card, maybe a red if you continue doing it. The point is there needs to be some punishment in store for players who just cannot control their temper and direct it towards employees of the actual event. So I think I can understand why that was the case. You can argue it should have been a point penalty as opposed to a default. I wouldn't really mind that either. There should have been some penalty in general. I'm not going to let Rublev off the hook. I understand that you can argue maybe the line judge was a bit sensitive and the line judge overreacted. At the end of the day, if you're getting paid to do to do work and somebody's going to go out of their way to yell at you in front of hundreds of people, thousands on TV, and they're just going to yell at you at the top of their lungs and because they think they're invincible and they think that you can't do anything about it, I can understand if I was the line judge why I would be pissed. And I can understand why that was uh, directed uh, towards the chair umpire and why he ended up deciding to make the call to uh, force Rublev to uh, default. So... I'm not going to let Rublev off the hook. I do think we should have no line judges. I think that electronic line calling is obvious, and that's going to be in store a couple years down the road. The point is, though, Rublev definitely has had a problem for many, many years of having anger issues during matches. Usually it was never actually directed at employees. Now it was. It felt like he crossed the line, in my opinion, and I do think he should have been punished. Having to forfeit leaving the top five and the prize money, that's a bit steep. I would have given him a point penalty, personally. Then again, we have no confirmation on what he exactly said. 
The point is, I think a punishment was fair. Was it overboard? Maybe. But Rublev really needs to get his temper in check. And that's been an issue of his for a couple years. And now maybe this is the final push he needs to improve in that mental area of his game. So that's kind of my brief thoughts there. Uh, once again, sucks for the fans. Uh, Bublik wanted to keep playing. You can argue maybe the player should decide. Like if Bublik wanted to take the win, he could. And he decided he wanted to keep playing. And Bublik was kind of annoyed that the match was over with. But the point is, Rublev, I'm going to blame him for most of it. Yes, you can argue the chair umpire maybe should have punished Rublev less severely. It depends on what was said. We don't know. But I do think Rublev definitely is at fault. I'm going to disagree with Manorino. The line judge might be a bit of a snitch, but if somebody was cursing at me during my time on the clock, I'd probably want that guy away from me anyway. So, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get both sides, but I'm going to blame Rublev mostly, and I do think that the default issue is very rough, especially since he has to now leave the top five and he's forfeiting all the prize money. But either way, congrats to Bublik for making an ATP final again, and we'll see if he can get another ATP 500 title. Now, that's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual recap of the um, uh, Friday matches. I already mentioned in Acapulco that Rune ended up winning. Uh, Rune ended up losing, I mean, to Rude. So Rude ended up making back-to-back hardcore finals. That's going to do it. Now it's time to actually move into the matches here for Saturday. Starting off with the early match, the final in Dubai, you have Umber as a massive favorite against Bublik as Umber is minus 220. And you see Bublik at around plus 190. Overrunner in games is set at 23. For the game spread, Umber minus three is minus 103. And Bublik plus three is minus 117. As for the set wagering, you can find the over two and a half sets at plus 135. You can find Umber in straight sets at plus 120. Bublik to an ace set is minus 150. And if you want to find Bublik in straight sets, you can find that at plus 425. We also have some fun props for this matchup. We have aces, we have double faults, and we have breaks of serve. Total aces, 18 and a half. The over is minus 110. The under is minus 120. For individual aces, Bublik 11 and a half. And you have uh, Umber at six and a half. Breaks of serve, you have the over three and a half at plus 150. Combined, under three and a half is minus 180. Over one and a half breaks for Bublik is plus 150. That's his breaks against Umber's serve. And Umber to break uh, and Umber to break Bublik twice is a minus 180. Uh, under one and a half breaks is plus 150. Double faults, over under five and a half in the match. The over is minus 120. The under is minus 110. Bublik's at four and a half, and Umber is at one and a half. The over, though, is set at plus 175. Now, for this matchup, I'm a bit shocked how big of a favorite Umber is. Did I think he was going to be a favorite? Yes, I think it makes sense. He beat Hercatch, he beat Medvedev, he's beaten some real good competition. Having said that, I do think that Bublik is once again being disrespected based on these odds. I mentioned I liked Bublik's odds against Rublev. Did I pick him to win? No, that's why I took the over two and a half sets instead. The point is I did think Bublik's game has translated actually well to the fast courts in Dubai. Now, the match against Rublev did have more breaks of serve than I anticipated, but the point is Bublik's beaten Leheshka, beat Greek Spore, ended up beating Rublev, and he beat Makic. He's beaten some good competition. You're looking at Umber beating better competition, but beating Rublev is still impressive. He was down, I want to say a a break and love 40 in that third set, and he rallied to win the set. 
yes, albeit short, but the, uh, by default. But still, the match looked like it was going to be over in about five minutes, and Bublik did not quit. He ended up showing mental toughness, and he got the job done. Umber has been very solid. Now, he's dropped two sets here. Dropped a set to Monfi after he avenged that loss in Doha. Beat Murray on the stage of uh, basically on the last legs of before his retirement in straight sets. Beat her catch, fought off three match points there in three, and beat Medvedev in straight sets. So he's been against better competition mostly, but I do think Bublik's serve can really dictate the entire match. If Bublik can hit his first serves and can control the rallies and shorten the points, I do think his serve is difficult to break if things go his way. And I do think that Umber's serve has been pretty good in this event. He has been in danger. Medvedev only broke him one time in the semis. But Medvedev had a bunch of breakpoints. I believe Medvedev was one for seven or one for eight in breakpoint chances. I think it was one for eight. So the point is Umber had to really dig himself out of trouble constantly in that match. He was a one of eight on breakpoints. So I think Umber's serve has been overrated for the sake of this matchup. And I think you might actually see more breaks than you anticipate. Uh, based on the odds makers. But I am going to lean to Bublik here, plus the games. I just think this match is going to be close. I think Bublik has the firepower. We know Umber has the consistency and the overall, I'd say, mental toughness. But I do think Bublik's net game can be a serious factor in this matchup because Bublik's serve is very solid. We know he's got underrated net skills, and I do think that Bublik can really make the match interesting if he sprinkles in drop shots, if he sprinkles in some net play, Umber's passing shots have not been great in this event, mostly against Hercatch, who came to the net a decent amount in that match. But I think 220 is a bit disrespectful. I think Umber should be favored. My opinion, minus 150, minus 160. I think Bublik should be closer to plus 140 if I had to price it myself. But plus 190 feels a bit high. I'm going to lean to the value of the dog here with the plus three games. I think I am going to lean to the over. I just think you're going to see a closer match here and Bublik has been no stranger to breakers and no stranger to long matches. So I'll lean to the over as well. As for the props, I'm going to lean to the under on Umber Aces at 6.5. I just think the number's too high based on his recent form. And I'm looking at the breaks of serve. I actually don't mind the over. 3.5 breaks at plus 150. I like the value at plus 150. We saw Bublik get broken a couple of times against Rublev. We saw him break Rublev a couple of times. And Umber was able to break Medvedev a couple of times. And he should have been broken multiple times in that match, but Medvedev kind of fumbled every breakpoint chance that he had. The point is, I think there will be chances for these two players, and as a result, I think that there is some value on the over three and a half breaks at plus 150. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual uh, Dubai final. Uh, I'm also going to lean to Bublik plus one and a half sets at minus 150, uh, but I do prefer the games instead at a cheaper number. Now, moving on to the actual semifinal matches in Santiago. Once again, we only have lines on one of them, the Baez-Martinez match. So we're going to start off with a matchup with no lines because we have we have uh, sorry we have Baez taking on uh, Martinez, which should be an interesting one. Now, Baez is a pretty massive favorite here for the sake of this matchup, and rightfully so because Baez is going to uh, once again, go for back-to-back -back clay titles. I actually realize I'm going out of order. Uh, the Mutet match is actually first, so apologies there. Uh, Mutet Tabilo, I have no lines on it. Tabilo will be favored because he has the home country advantage, and he's won in straight sets the last couple of matches. The point is, though, I do think Mutet is going to use the energy of the crowd against them. They faced off one time on clay in America, actually, 
back in 2019, and Mutet did win in three. Does it mean anything? Not really. It was about five years ago. Doesn't really mean much. Mutet, though, has been very comfortable. Ended up winning the first-round match against Barrios Vera in straight sets, and he beat Darderi in straight sets. As for Mutet, went through qualifying, then ended up beating Baina in three, beat Tarante in three, and beat Jari in straight sets. I'm going to lean over. Now, I think Tabilo is probably going to get the job done based on the crowd support and based on his ability to kind of use patience while also sprinkling in some solid serve and volley play. Mutet is very unorthodox, and the amount of spin and unique, I'd say, shot selection has really translated well to the horrible court quality in Santiago. I'm going to lean Tabilo to win the match, but I don't see much value on him based on what I think the line's going to be. I'm going to lean to the over. I think Mutet's going to have moments, but I do think Tabilo's going to outlast him. And I wonder, fatigue-wise, if Mutet can fully handle going through a match, going through a bunch of qualifying matches and then going through a couple of very competitive matches in the last three rounds. I think it's going to be close. I'll lean to Tabilo, but I hope Mutet wins because, once again, we do have a 40-1 to shot on Mutet to win the event. And moving on to the next matchup, we have Baez against Martinez. This one, we do have lines on. We have Baez at around minus 279. We have Martinez at around plus 234. As for the actual game spread, Baez minus 3.5 is minus 116. Martinez plus 3.5 is minus 104. Over-under for games is set at 21.5. The over is minus 112. The under is minus 108. As for the set wagering, Baez in straight sets is even money. You have Martinez to win a set at minus 130. Over 2.5 sets is plus 155. Now, the head-to-head between them has been competitive, as they have faced off three times. All three meetings went to three sets. All three meetings, uh, sorry, uh, two of the three meetings were on clay. Uh, the last meeting was in Pune, which was a hard-court event, and Martinez actually won that one in three. Faced off at Santiago, though, so this exact same event in 2022, and Martinez won in three. Faced off in Croatia in 2021, Baez won in three. So Martinez has been in good form, pulled off the upset against Fees in the matchup on Friday, beat Diaz Acosta in three in the round prior, and beat Pizarro in the first round in straight sets. As for Baez, he's been sharp after a pretty shaky start to the event, as he ended up beating Varias after losing the first set, and he beat Munar in straight sets. Now Baez in great form, won Rio, so he's on a bit of a winning streak, but Martinez did beat him in the exact same venue two years ago, and I actually think that matters. So I'm going to lean to Martinez here, uh, plus the games. I like the over two and a half sets for value. I think that based on the head-to-head history and based on Martinez's form, I think Baez, we know, can self-destruct a bit with the mostly forehand. There's a lot of unforced errors on his game sometimes, and Martinez has really showcased some underrated court coverage in this event. I'm going to lean to Martinez plus the games. I'm going to lean to the over, and I do think Martinez can win a set in this matchup, but I think it's going to go three and a plus 155. I do like those odds quite a bit. Give me the over two and a half sets of plus 155. I'm going to lean to Baez to win the match, but this price is disrespectful. 277 feels a bit high. I think it should be closer to, to minus 200, but the point is the value's on Martinez. Baez, I think, is going to win, but maybe you might want to take Baez to win in three if you want to turn a massive money line favorite into a pretty decent dog price. I am expecting Martinez to keep it competitive, though, but not enough to get the job done. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual uh, Saturday matches in Dubai and in Santiago. Now it is time to get into the lock and dog picks, but before we continue that, going to have a quick word from 
our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it's also the fastest-growing fantasy app in the industry. They also have great pick'em games, so you can pick whether your favorite players will go hot, will go higher or lower on stat totals in their upcoming games. You also can make a lot of, of uh, money because you can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players to build a pick'em entry can also make rivals picks, which pits two players against each other. So you can choose, for example, in a basketball game, which player will have more points. You can also look at some tennis. They have some interesting options on the platform. They have aces. They have double faults. A lot of creative options to look into. But a reminder to sign up today with the promo code SGPN to get a first deposit doubled up to $100, as well as an instant pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com. And f- or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with the promo code SGPN to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 with an instant pick'em special. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underwood Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concern with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling. Org. Also, a reminder that SGPN is teaming up with Underdog to give you even more of a bonus. Sign up between now and the end of the month, and five winners will receive an Underdog hat, Underdog shirt, and a $50 SGPN gift card. Sign up today using promo code SGPN, and then go to sportsgamepockets.com slash dog to enter the contest for your chance to win. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer with historical stats and data. Is there any parlay idea? Right, the Hall of Fame bets is revolution and prop times are told to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate to, for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users reaching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first one today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished uh, previewing the Saturday matches in Dubai and in Santiago. Now it is time for the actual lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I actually am going to go to the same match uh, for the lock and dog picks. I'm going to do some props. I had some fun with the no tiebreaker prop yesterday, and I'm going to take something different, but I do like the prop angle. I'm going to go to the Umber and Bublik match for both these plays. My lock is going to be the under. Six and a half aces for Umber at minus 110. Bublik has been standing really far back on the court, and as a result, he has been doing a very good job at limiting aces. Bublik has allowed less than seven aces in six of the last nine matches. So the point is he has been in very solid form with his return game. Umber's serve is not exactly known for being phenomenal at generating aces. He just has that ridiculous slider. Uh, in the ad side, which kicks his opponents off the court. They usually get to the ball. The problem is they're all the way off the court. But the point is Umber doesn't exactly use the bomb serve that much, and Bublik does stand very far back on the court. So I think the 6.5 ace is a bit low. Now, the problem you might run into is if this turns into a long match, goes three sets, you have extra service games to worry about. If Umber takes care of business, though, then the match ends quickly, and I do. De- I definitely don't think Umber is getting seven aces in two sets against Bublik. Maybe three, but he still needs to have a decent ace performance against a returner who's been standing very far back on the court, and I do think it's going to limit the amount of aces that Umber can generate. Plus, to go through Umber's numbers, he's had a less than seven aces in five of his last six matches. So Umber has not been known to generate many aces recently, especially in Dubai, and Bublik's done a pretty good job at standing very far back on the court to eliminate all of the quick points via aces. 
I see a lot of potential missed returns from Bublik, but I think he'll get a racket on a lot of these balls. I am going to go with the under four aces, not to mention, by the way, the weather report for Dubai should be windy, not as windy as Bublik's first match against Mokic. That was absolute chaos, but you should be seeing roughly 10 mile per hour winds, 12 mile per hour winds, which can impact the first serve percentage or maybe just the overall speed of the tennis balls. Point is, I do think with the weather and with the trends, once again, Bublik's allowed less than seven aces and six of nine. And you're looking at Umber going under this ace number in five of six. This line feels a bit high to me for aces. Give me the under because of it at minus 110. For my dog, I am going to go to the over three and a half breaks of serve combined in the same match. Bublik and Umber at plus 150. The wind will play a factor because I do think if first serve percentage does drop, we do expect to see a lot of second serves. And both guys are very capable of destroying a second serve. And we've seen Umbert's second serve be relatively weak. Bublik has a double faulting issue. He might try to bomb the second serve. That might lead to double faults. Point is, though, I think plus 150 is a very good deal. We have seen both players return well so far in this event. Umbert's recorded at least three breaks in all four matches in this event, including three breaks against Medvedev in the match on uh, on the match on Friday. But he's been a good returner, and we've seen Bublik get broken more often than you might think. Got broken a couple of times against Makic. Broken a couple times against Rublev despite winning that match. The point is, I think Umber can get a couple breaks in. Umber over one and a half breaks by himself is minus 180. So they're expecting him to break Bublik a couple of times. The question is, can Bublik break Umber? I think he can. He's had at least three breaks in three of his four matches here. We've seen Umber have a bunch of break points that the fight off. He had the fight off uh, eight match po- eight uh, break points against Medvedev. Did fight off seven of them. But the point is, he has been having some dicey service games. And if the first serve percentage is going to dip because of the wind, I think Bublik can create some long rallies, definitely change the overall, I'd say, complexities and just the overall rallies themselves because of the variety that he has with the drop shotting, with the lob game, and with the net skills. I think he's going to keep Umber off balance. And I do think Umber's first serve is not exactly great enough to overpower Bublik over the course of the match. So for that reason, I think there's a couple ways to get the breaks. Maybe Umber just dominates and breaks Bublik a couple of times, three times maybe by himself, and Bublik chips in for one, maybe the other way around, or maybe you get both of them breaking twice, or maybe it goes three and you have extra service games to work with. But plus 150 for four combined breaks, I think is a very solid deal, and I am going to go with that as my dog. So once again, my picks for the walking dog uh, segment, are going to be on the same match in the Dubai final. I'm going to go with the under. Six and a half aces for Umber as my lock at minus 110. And my dog will be on Bublik and Umber over. Three and a half breaks of serve combined at plus 150. That's going to wrap it up. We'll back once again to get into the final in Santiago uh, for the next episode. But until next time, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the... Uh, bunch of podcasts in the network, the MLB show, the NFL show, WNBA show, I get the point. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.